Welcome to the Audit 15 Fund podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about how risk is not a number, which is the title of a book by Marco Nuccini. Marco has extensive executive level experience in risk management, internal audit, and he worked for Kodak for 15 years and Embraer for six years as their chief risk officer. And he currently works as a consultant in Brazil. Welcome, Mark, to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's my pleasure. I've been watching the episodes. It's fun. Audit is fun. <laughs> Your title is very, very well put. <laughs> exactly. We, we tried to make it fun. <laughs> right. So uh, the book, I, I got a copy the other day. Thank you for mailing it to me. Really appreciate it. It is a thick book, 400 pages. So I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't read the book, the entire book. I have read parts of it. So Well, I have, I have because I wrote it. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you can, you can help me understand some of the things that you mentioned in your book there. So we'll, we'll first start the, the episode with the title of the book, the risk is not a number. Why? So, uh, first, before anything, uh, apologize for my, for my English is a very Brazilian English and John is Brazilian as well, but his English is sounds to me like a, a, a native North American. English mine is it is like a Italian <laughs> something Brazilian. So apologize for that. Okay. No, no, no need to apologize, Mark. <laughs> uh, the title is Risk is Not a Number because it's true, of course. So basically, most people uh, think that risk is a multiplication of probability and impact. And, and that generates a number. So that's, that's, the, that's the main mistake or the main wrong concept that most people, mainly not, not risk profession. Uh, Adopt and 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 also I've seen many many risk implementation risk management implementations where they they start from there. You see, well, risk is a it's a multiplication of probability and impact. And either you do this by really uh, quantifying probability and impact, or even worse, you attribute uh, uh, a score, uh, subjective score like one to five, and and you multiply that and say, well, the risk is. It's 20 because it's, a, it's five times four. And that gives a, a what they call risk priority number. And that, that number kind of glues, glues to the risk. And uh, this is a 20. Okay. That, that's, a, that's not a mistake. That's a big mistake, a big uh, misconception, right? So that's why the title of, of the book, okay? Uh, uh, the only case in it, in, in, where you can do this, multiply probability impact is, is, is the most, the simplest type of risk that you can imagine, which is betting or something. So if you, if you bet, if you bet like a hundred dollars with a 10% chance of winning, your risk is $90, right? That's correct. But if you bet, if you bet, for $1,500 with a 98% chance of winning, your risk is also 
Okay, so the problem starts there. Even in the simplest case, okay, you you have the same number, which is ninety, attributed to two things completely different. The risk perception is completely different. Five for me, not for Bill Gates. Four thousand five hundred dollars is different than one hundred dollars. Okay, not for Elon Musk, but for you and me, of course, it is. So it's difficult. So you cannot express risk by a single number. Never, ever. Don't, don't even try it. Okay. Perfect. That's very clear. It's it's not a mathematical uh, calculation. Well, it, it you exactly. can definitely use it, but that's not the end goal, right? Because, okay. like you mentioned, you can get to the same number by having completely different risk profiles. Risk perceptions. Yes, perceptions. Good. Uh, there, you have a sentence in your book which I think I thought was very interesting, and I think it's it's a, it's something good to, you know, bring up as a discussion here for internal auditors who are listening. The sentence is: nonconformity is a compliance attribute, not a risk attribute. Mm -hmm. And the and the reason I wanted to bring this up is a lot of times. In internal audit, what we do is it's the binary. Is it in compliance with the policy? Is it in compliance with the regulation? Yes, no. But just because it's a no doesn't necessarily mean there's a risk there. So that, that's how I understand it. So could you maybe elaborate more on what you mean by this sentence? And then the second question is, how would you then measure actual risk attributes? Okay. Well. From, based from the, from the fact that risk uh, is a conjunction or correlation between probabilities and the, and the plural and impact also in the plural, okay? A risk is a, it's a, it's a correlation where you have many impacts and many probabilities, right? And, and you're not measuring the multiplication, you're studying the correlation, okay? That's what you do. So, so you, 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 people have put mathematics, math, on this. So there is a there is a mathematical or should I say statistical uh, answer to that. Okay. So when you when you find a nonconformity, actually I, I'm not sure if the United States is nonconformity really, right? Not con nonconformance, right? But they say in, in English. Uh, when you find a nonconformity, well, well, normally you have a a problem of timing in the audit that's really conspire against that because you really have to follow the, the plan and you have your your time to deliver the, the results of the audit. So basically what we do, and I did that many, many, many times, is you you you, you find the nonconformity that you think it's important, of course, and and it, it violates some kind of uh, requirement. The requirement could be a standard, could be a law, could be a internal uh, threshold, something like that. And, and you say, okay, uh, for example, uh, uh, someone didn't sign the document, they didn't approve the document, and it's uh, it, you have I, I tested 100 documents and I found I found three documents without signature, proper approval. Okay, so this is a nonconformity. And nobody will argue against that, okay? Uh, the manager will say, yes, but 
that's low risk. And the auditor will say, sir, I, I cannot go into that discussion with you because the, the fact is the fact. I'm, I'm not judging the three documents. I'm saying you have a control problem, control deficiency. Okay. So that's the sample I, I, I did. Uh, I don't know the real universe. So you better fix up that control, which, which is no problem at all because you have a, a internal control issue. It's important. Okay. You're going against policy or going against, against uh, risk appetite, uh, right? The, the company doesn't want you to, 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 to have that situation. Okay. But the manager will continue to, affer, to, 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 to be assertive and saying this is low risk. So when you go, if that thing escalates, you've been there, I've been there in meetings where you're going to fight. Everybody has to pick one side of the discussion because uh, it's a legitimate discussion of saying, gee, control, a control deficiency is important. You have to go out and see what's going on. I know, but that's low risk. Okay, so you, you, what you do, you listen to the, the, the fellow, but you really don't reach a conclusion because both, maybe both sides are right. The problem is the auditor is not measuring the risk. That's the, the, the initial problem. Okay. So that's what I say in the book. I say, when you find a, a, a control problem, that's not a risk necessarily, or that's not a high risk. Okay. So you better quantify the risk. And using using the, the 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 methods that I have talked about, which is correlating probability with impact. What, what what's the impact of not having the documents approved? You're gonna you have the chance that someone from from a, a regulating agency will pick that up and 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 bring you to trial, or you're gonna fine you and have a penalty for that. What's the problem? It's a fraud issue. How many frauds do you expect to have based on that sample? The auditor may say, well, I, I didn't have time to do that. The sample is too small. Okay, but that's your problem. Okay. That's, that's the auditing body problem, not the, the, the auditee problem. So you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get back to them and say, well, you've got to figure out the risk and you've got to solve the control issue. That's, that's too much burden to put on the first line. Okay, and I've been fighting for since I was in Kodak because I was an auditor there already. So I'm saying, guys, I, I said to my team, you better start saying what's the risk. Okay, you don't want to put your your career in jeopardy, but you you must. It's very it's too easy to audit controls. It's too easy. No, I used to say to them, my grandmother can audit controls, okay? Because <laughs> what you said is binary. Yes. And risk is not binary. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes, and I, you know, like you, I've been in those meetings where, yes, this is not according to policy. And then management says, but it's not a risk. And then you have that back and forth and it's, so... Uh -huh. It's an excellent point. I think we, we need to get that more across the profession about focusing on the risk instead of just thinking about the yes or no, you know, what you're going to put in that Excel file. Like, yes, no, yes, no, exception, yes, no. Exactly. Think about across, more. Across the checklist. Oh. Yeah. Let, let's think more about the risk and the why, right? 
Well, if you look at Kozo, for example, uh, their, their templates for internal control are all fill in the box. Okay. And they, and they are very careful not to ask you to measure the risks because they, they don't want to create a, a difficulty, a big difficulty. They want you to adopt the standard in an easy way, in a simple way. Yeah. Which is okay, but we have to understand the limitations of COSO or, or other standards. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not, just because it's not easy doesn't mean we need, we can't try, right? I mean, Well, you so. can't separate the, the I mean, what's, what's more appealing, uh, no conformities that are really, you, you, you think, like you have the results of an audit, you can gather the team and see what, what, what are the ones that you think there are cherries there okay, that you can pick and say, let's investigate this more. So you, you, you follow on with the audit, measuring the risk and sampling more and, and getting more data, historical data, more indicators and, and figuring out what's the real risk. And when you go and present the risk, it changes the game. I can tell you that changes the game. When you present a curve and say, here, this is the value at risk. We should have insurance for that. Or this shouldn't be allowed. This is too dangerous. Yes. Mm -hmm. You change the game when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're helping them make decisions versus just exactly. saying, yeah, you failed this test, right? If you still uh, want to, to, to take take the risk on your back. Okay. That's a management decision, but it, you, you, you showed them. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned something, you know, like just because it's, it's hard and, uh, and that's, that may be the argument against, oh, it's too hard. So talking about something that's hard, which is pricing risks, right. which <laughs> you kind of cover in your book and you even said in your book, this is a very complex topic. <laughs> so. From your experience and, you know, from of the, some of the, uh, concepts that you laid out in your book, what are some of the risks that in your opinion, most companies should be pricing? And I'll, I'll just say, this is, I know it's not a very, very fair question. Cause that can change from industry to industry, from country to country. But if you, you know, if you had an universal answer, what would it be in relation to pricing risks? Okay. Well, basically pricing comes because, because of the fact the risk is a cost, right? And, and, and when you look at risk as a cost, that also a very good, uh, way of changing a mindset of people, because the, the, the big problem is that, uh, the cost, cost of risk is, is long, this is long-term and the, the value that you get the, the positive value that you get from any transaction is, is mainly short term compared to risk. So, uh, that's the, that's the big difficulty. So how do you price that? How do you adjust things for risk? Well, the answer is you measure the total cost of risk. So total cost of risk is, uh, is the sum of, uh, control cost, right? Because control, of course takes, uh, resources to, 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 to operate them and you have the loss and not, I'm not saying only the expected loss, not because risk is not a number. So you have a curve of loss. You have those points where the mean and the, the mode and the, the VAR and CVAR where you can't 
look at, take a look at the curve in specific points. And, and you say, okay, I have a situation where you have a gain, you have a value, like a contract with a customer, right? But you have a cost of risk on that, okay? So the question is, the price that I'm charging for the customer or the, the price I'm paying to the supplier or the, the profit I'm sharing with my partner, okay, so there, there are three types of transactions. It's fair when I look at the total cost of risk or not, because I may be getting the share of the line or they, they may be getting, if I'm getting the, the lion's share, I'm okay, but I had a problem because someone is going to figure out and then, then you're going to have a problem. If they have the lion's share, the same problem, then I'm going to pro protest, of course, because uh, that's wrong. Uh, not always you can change this because if you have a, a signed contract already that's been going on, it's not so easy to change, but at least you know the problem. And, and you can say, boy, we should charge more for those type of customers. So you can segment your market, say, we got, in, we got to increase the, either we increase the price or we won't have this customer. Everybody does it, but, but you do it because you look at the total cost of risk of that transaction. What's the problem? How do you measure the risk for each contract? That's very difficult, of course. So you have to do some approximations, some aggregations, some groupings, and look at groups of customers, group of suppliers, group of partners, depending on the, on the business model, all right? Uh, like you, 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 for example, you have cases, uh, contracts and deals with uh, many types. Uh, and you, you, can, you can group and say, okay, what's the total cost of risk for that? We have to study that. And, and normally in the, in the conventional costing systems, this get, gets confused. This, this got messed up. And, and that's, the, that's, that's why you have the theory of ABC costing, ABC property, and the same, because you, 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 that's, that's look at groups. What's the, the profit pool? What's the risk pool? And I hmm. guarantee the most companies, if they do this in a very structured way, they're going to find lots of, lots of opportunities for changing a contract. Perfect. So basically based on contract. Yes, perfect. That's a good, good challenge to others out there to look at pricing risks within their contractual relationships. So well, John, I think what auditors can do and should do is, is question why you're not doing this. Very do, good. Auditors are not specialists on costing, of course. But, right. Uh, you can ask the, the finance department, why you're not studying the total cost or risk of this type of transaction? Hmm. Just because it's a, it's profitable now, but if you're gonna lose money in the in the long run, what's the point? You're you're bringing good results to this year and let the the future be another generation. Is that <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Good good point. You know, not necessarily something that interviewers need to do themselves, but they still need they they question. They need to question, right? So great point. So last question here, Marco, within your book, you have several, several case studies uh, related wow. to risk management. I really love the examples within the book. There are several uh, 
current examples, some that are a little bit uh, like you had 9-11 as, as an example, and you get into the details of all the things that went into uh, what happened there. Uh, is there any example from your book that you'd say, yeah, this is the the risk management example that every auditor, risk management professional should know about? Okay. And I, I'm going to talk in terms of uh, United States, okay? Because I think it's uh, it's closer to home. Most people from your speaking English, of course, from the listening to this, they must speak English. Of course, all cases apply to any situation, but Brazilian situation is, is, is the most important case in the book is is the dam dam failure, the uh, mining eject dam that failed. Twice for the same company, which is Vale, a big multinational from Brazil, or minor. Uh, that's the most important example. Is the one I studied in, in more depth in the book because it's a not only a failure of risk management, but a failure of uh, decision making based on flawed risk information which is the risk matrix. They, and they defended, the executives are defending themselves in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the trials based on that risk, those risk matrix, saying that uh, technical people are saying the risk was yellow because it was low probability. That, that's the lamest excuse that you can, but that's, they have to defend themselves, right? So that's one case of very dangerous use of risk matrices. And that's the most important case and applies to anybody. But in the United States, I think the General Motors case where you, 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 the ignition uh, system was, one spring was changed okay, to save money. And people that put too many keys in the same ring, it gets too heavy. And some some cars started to to turn off while while you're driving at the highways. So there were many 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 data. That's a case of data analytics where you have information. That's a case of not looking at uh, incidents or, or near misses. That's a case of not approving changes in a in a proper way. Okay. That's case of internal auditing not looking at how people are, are, are managing changes technically. Okay, so that's a flaw of internal auditing too. Information was there, the risk was there, everything was very clear and people didn't integrate the information. And one people died, then two people died, then third people died. And then they started to move the, the, the big engine started to move and say, maybe we have a risk there, maybe, we, which is, and then the first excuse GM uh, published was, people shouldn't put too many keys in the ring. Okay, you shouldn't put a, an iron clad or something like that. Too. And old, old ladies used to do this, so we are sorry about that. Oh, you shouldn't change the spring and make the, the ignition easy to turn off during, while you're driving. <laughs> That's the problem. And you killed people. Jeez. 
I think that's the most clear case of failure of a corporation or not integrating information. And internal audit has uh, their part in this. Okay. So sorry, people who worked for internal audit GM at that time, but it's many years ago. So yeah, but they'll have also new Coke, which is an old example, but very, very nice. There is Flint, Michigan water treatment exchange. It's very interesting. How can you happen <laughs> that in the United States? That in Brazil, that would be okay, but in the United States, okay. So uh, there are, um, and 9-11 is a nice example because you had uh, data analytics, you had information. FBI took measures against uh, some uh, people that were training simulators. And CIA didn't know about it. So right, right. Lack of integration. Yes, yes, yeah. Good, good one. I, I read that one in more detail, and you had some really good information on the case, and really good, really interesting details on what went wrong. And some of the information was there. Some of the red flags were there, but they were working in silos, right? Which is Silo. kind of similar Silo. to yeah. yes, kind of similar to the GM. Example and exactly. back to the first example that you you gave from Vale, that is a really good example. So you know if there's any takeaway for others out there, if you had to defend your risk management in the court of law, how would you do it? You you can't defend with you yeah, can't. you can't defend. Vale, it was yellow. In Vale, they defended. They said they are using the risk matrix, but we told that it was low probability, but catastrophic impact. So we, they didn't approve a plan to train the people on the, on the downslide uh, direction. Okay. They didn't inform the, the, the state about the, the problem. They knew the risk was higher than normal. So uh, value is more a problem of misconduct, I think. I yeah. Think. How yeah, did technical from GM started technical. That's the point. Started small, started technical, just a spring. Okay. Mm -hmm. But 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 then it, it 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 increases importance. Integration should pick it up. It didn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So internal audits, I think, don't keep working only on on your old audit plan. Go to where things are happening. Yes. Good, good. risk-based audit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As risks are occurring yeah. and coming up, you need to revise your plan and you need to... Revise your plan. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marco, for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you on. For those who want to connect with you, learn more about your services and consulting, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, of course, I have my, my well, either WhatsApp or email. Okay, I am Lutini, uh, which is my, my, my last name, uh, at uh, Lupinut, which is my company, L-O-O-P-N-U-T. Dot com dot br. It's my my email. So I'll be glad. I do consulting these days mostly for home. So I can do it for literally from for any anywhere in the world for people who speak Spanish, Portuguese, or English. There you go. A bit of Italian, but not enough. <laughs> <laughs> 
Perfect. Thank you so much, Marco. Appreciate it. Thanks. It, it was an honor. I, I've been keeping track of our work. Congratulations. Very nice initiative. Yes. Thank you so much. Brazilians on moving on. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get more Brazilian uh, guests. So if there's anyone out there who wants to join, I'm more than happy to have them too.